This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. So welcome to this episode of the Retail Insider Podcast. It's our first inaugural podcast. We're recording on August the 28th of 2019, and I'm joined here with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to talk about this week's articles. Thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello. It's great to be here, as always. Excellent. And our sponsor for this episode is Amacris. Building custom retail interiors have been their business, and they've done this for some of the world's leading retailers. At Amacris, they are custom retail build specialists. Visit amacris.com to get in touch or even to look at their latest projects. I'm just wanting to dive directly into the first most popular article that's been read by pretty much everyone that I have spoke to that follows Retail Insider, and that's the West Edmonton Mall article. Because apparently they're adding a bunch of new retailers and attractions. Now, for me, growing up in Saskatchewan, I always loved going to West Edmonton Mall. And I know that there's a big craze of a lot of these new um, landlords are starting to go into experiential retail. But this seems to be a mall that was like on the forefront for me. Because you could go to Fantasyland, then Galaxyland now go to the water park that's there, go shop, go mini golf, and it's kind of like everything in one, like a resort. So for me, like when you take a look at some of the other malls that are starting to put in, um, Steampunk, um, uh, like uh, Galaxyland like equivalents and stuff like that, it's, it seems like it was at the forefront of like 20 years ago or more. So I was just wondering if you wanted to take us through like how exciting this article was for folks from luxury, new retailers, closing retailers, and so on, and kind of step us through it, Craig, and give us a little bit of your insight of what you thought was cool and exciting about the article. Yeah, I mean, West Edmonton Mall is really interesting. God, I've been going there since I was a little kid, literally, <laughs> when it, I think it was just phase one was there, and I think the skating rink was where it ended, so there was the, oh. <laughs> and it used to be called Fantasyland. There was a lawsuit, and uh Disney, I think, uh, basically made it so that uh, they I had so. to change the name to Galaxyland. So we used to go to Fantasyland years and years ago. Yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Roller coaster, the rides. Actually, it was a heck of a lot of fun. Maybe that was my favorite part at the time, but, you know, of course, they were shopping there as well. And there's still, interestingly enough, a Fantasyland hotel, but there's a Galaxyland mm. amusement center. Theme park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. They kept the name for the hotel. Apparently, that, you know, the. <laughs> that was that fine. Was fine. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But was the Ice Palace there all at that point as well? Because the water park was for me, and it was just like the highlight of my existence was going to the water yeah, park. Yeah, I mean, I know the water park for sure wasn't there when I was a kid, but I think the Ice Palace was there. I guess it's, what is it called? No, the Toyota Ice Palace or whatever the latest yeah. sponsor is. But yeah. um, no, maybe it's Mayfield, Mayfield Toyota. I think that's what it is. But um, yeah, no, I think the hockey, or maybe it was new, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure. I mean, I think when I started going as a kid, uh, I think the hockey rink, or the ice rink, I should say, was there. It wasn't just for hockey. The Edmonton Oilers used to practice there. You could see Wayne Gretzky, Paul Coffey, um, the other ones, I forget their names, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, it's exciting that, and it's interesting that now, of course, everyone's going to sponsorships with, like, Toyota Ice Palace and stuff like that, but it's really exciting, like, for me, it's interesting how, like, Louis Vuitton is now opening up there, and... A lot of the other, like, Goldsmith, like, Canada Goose is coming, Matt and Nat. But, yeah, like, what's your thoughts on the whole new luxury kind of um, retailers that are opening up there? I mean, it's certainly a change. West Edmonton Mall never did have luxury stores. You know, certainly in years past, it had a, 
you know, a good roster of retailers, but they weren't, you know, certainly catering to rich people. I mean, I don't know. A lot of rich people don't necessarily want to have to, you know, walk through an amusement park full of kids to get to a store. Not that that's necessary in West Edmonton Mall, but, you know, the tenant mix was always fairly, you know, middle of the road and maybe some lower priced retailers as well. And, um, you know, it's pretty amazing that West Edmonton Mall has been able to scoop up a few very high-end brands. I think Tiffany and Company might have been the first, uh, you know, Tiffany's, as we might say. Um, I think it was around 2013, 2014 that that store opened. And uh, now, you know, I think attracting Louis Vuitton really, really is a game changer for West Edmonton Mall because now other brands, say some of the ones that uh, are currently at the whole Renfrew store in downtown Edmonton, uh, may look at moving it to West Edmonton Mall. One of the reasons, of course, is because that whole Renfrew downtown is also going to be closing uh, on January 11th of 2020. Right, right. yeah. I've actually been to that one too, but I can also see how a lot of those concessions suddenly wouldn't necessarily have a presence in Edmonton. So where else to go? Well, Louis Vuitton's already in West Ed, so dot, dot, dot. You got it. That's exactly my thought. I mean, I know Gucci does quite well at uh, Holt Rent Crew in downtown Edmonton. So the question is, you know, would Gucci open a store at West Edmonton Mall? I mean, I'm not confirming anything whatsoever, but I'm sure there has been some uh, chatter around that brand and probably a few other brands as well that... Uh, you know, you might see in uh, uh, Holt Renfrew downtown that, you know, might be successful on their own in West Edmonton Mall. And even some brands, I don't know if we would call Canada Goose to be a luxury brand, but, you know, West Edmonton Mall uh, managed to scoop up uh, Canada Goose and they're going to be opening a store. There. They're going to have a cold room. I mean, funny enough, uh, most times of the year in Edmonton, you just have to step outside and get the same uh, type of temperature, Experience, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but, you know. Does Vancouver have that? Like I, I no, because I didn't recall seeing it when I was there, like looking at different jackets and stuff. But, but like I mean, I take a look at Michael Coors and Kate Spade and stuff and Coach, like those used to be at least like a very well established luxury. I'm not quite sure if that's still where it falls in the luxury. When you take a look at like Yves Saint Laurent or, um, uh, or like uh, Louis Vuitton and and that caliber, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like those are already there too. Tiffany is definitely in the Louis Vuitton realm. When mm. I take a look at the luxury zone in, in Vancouver, that's definitely there. So definitely, yeah. I mean, I would look at you know Macaz just opened a few days ago, and uh, mm. you know Matt and Nat. I mean, Kate Spade, Michael Kors. These are kind of I call them aspirational luxury brands. I think we would probably put Coach in the aspirational luxury area. I think at one time I might have called it a luxury brand, but it's sort of like they're not that like really 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 high price point and they're, they're sort of a brand that maybe someone who um you know would aspire maybe someday to buy something really expensive would buy in the meantime i mean a kate spade bag i think you can get them for three yeah. three hundred dollars and whatnot whereas at louis vuitton you're going to look more in the three thousand dollar range but um you know nevertheless uh, you know i think west edmonton mall is kind of uh, uh you know really attracting these high-end brands i think the next thing they need to attract is some valet parking because you know i don't know if some of these wealthy shoppers are going to want to have to battle with uh pickup trucks to find a space far away so that they can, you know, walk to the front door of the mall. So I think something has to be done there. No, totally. But do you think things like uh, Van Cleef or something like luxury of that caliber would be something that would be coming to West Ed? Um, I don't know if Van Cleef and Arpels would open at West Edmonton Mall. I mean, I guess nothing is impossible, but I would probably see it opening in... uh, another retailer and i honestly wouldn't know what that would be i mean neiman marcus has some uh, van cleef and arpel shops in its stores but neiman marcus as far as i'm aware is not coming to canada so i kind of doubt it i mean they're looking for a real 
you know, cluster of luxury brands. They're looking for a lot of um, Asian shoppers that would part with their money. And, you know, certainly Vancouver makes a lot of sense. Uh, Toronto makes a lot of sense. But, you know, even in downtown Toronto, the Van Cleef and Arpel shop is kind of, you know, it's part of Burke's, uh, you mm. know, the uh, the jewelry store, which uh, Burke's currently does have a store at West Edmonton Mall, but it's very small and doesn't have... Uh, these brands, but you know, if Burks was, I guess, to you know, create some sort of a flagship at West Edmonton Mall, huh? Maybe someday Van Cleef and Arpels would be in there. But you know, we're, you know, kind of, I guess, guessing at this point. Oh no, totally. And I'm just kind of looking through like some of the new retailers that are coming through, like Uniqlo and Untucked it and the cosmetic Morph. And there's a lot of different things, not just luxury, that's being announced or recently opened or going to open soon, but but also the uh, I think it was Evelyn Charles. It was another announcement that kind of came through that was kind of interesting. Do you want to kind of walk us through some of these new retailers, not necessarily luxury, but also in, like stretching into other areas? Absolutely. I mean, West Edmonton Mall is attracting these best-in-class brands. I mean, Uniqlo, you know, it's a Japanese, uh, I don't know if you want to, I don't know if we call it a fast fashion retailer, but, you know, it's it's not that expensive and you can buy all kinds of stuff. I mean, you're getting these uh, big names. I mean, Matt and Nat, Macage, um, SJP by Sarah Jessica Parker, Untucket. I mean, these are sort of the new breed of retailers that are doing well. And it's already got yeah. Lululemon that does millions and millions and millions of dollars in sales. So good for them. I mean, some stores in West Edmonton all do incredibly well. But what I thought was interesting, for example, was the uh, Evelyn Charles Academy is going to be moving into West Edmonton Mall. They kind of teach aesthetics and beauty and hair and, and that sort of thing and uh it's coming to west edmonton mall from downtown edmonton and yeah i mean there's a bit of a story here i, I wouldn't blame west edmonton mall for say you know the quote-unquote death of downtown edmonton but at the same time you know um louis vuitton moving into west edmonton mall i think that was one of the very significant reasons why holt renfrew decided to exit absolutely i i think yeah. so i know that the uh I won't name names, but I'll, I guess I'll say it. The uh, head of the BIA for downtown Edmonton was, you know, had a bit of a fit online when he found out that Uniqlo was going to be going into West Edmonton Mall and not downtown. I mean, I found that almost silly because anyone who knows anything about, uh, you know, retail knows that, of course, Uniqlo was going to go to West Edmonton Mall. That's where you're going to make the money. I mean, it just, to me, made no sense that someone yeah. would even complain about that. I mean, downtown Edmonton, it's got, you know, a nice downtown shopping center but it sure as heck isn't uh, a place that they're going to make nearly as much money as west edmonton mall so it's anyways uh you know west edmonton mall i think is going to win in the long run um, edmonton does have a few other great shopping centers you know they're not quite up to the well no shopping centers up to the caliber of west edmonton mall at this point certainly in edmonton but southgate center is really great i mean it's uh you know, it does higher sales per square yeah. foot, but it's smaller and it's very much a fashion mall. So uh, to me, that does make a lot of sense. It's great. And Kingsway Mall is very productive, too. It's near downtown. And, um, you know, all of these centers are, uh, uh, you know, quite successful. But West Edmonton Mall is kind of in a league of its own. And uh, really, there's nothing like it in Canada, basically, except, you know, there's a mall in Quebec City that's a little tiny bit similar. Well, what do you think about the like the schools and coming into uh, West Ed as well? Like Avida is where I would typically go and associate like hairstyle learning, all that kind of stuff. Because I used to go there, but that was before I lost all my hair. But uh, so for me, like it's those schools you see around. So it doesn't you know surprise me that that would potentially like a competitor of theirs would show up in West Ed. 
but um, like, what's your thought? Like, is you know, yeah, okay, you don't necessarily need valet parking for the students that are coming through, but they have the parking; it's readily available. Um, you know, public transit is also going through there. It kind of makes sense to me too to kind of start catering to some of the educational um, kind of institutions as well, because um, you know, the aesthetics also is is fitting nicely into the retail dovetail there too. I think so, and they'll provide services as well. And, uh, you know, it's just another tenant. I mean, it's something that's going to bring people into the shopping center, and it's it's filling space. They're paying a lease. I mean, that's uh, yeah. these are all things that the landlord is looking at, is they do want, you know, tenants that are going to pay leases. And I think the Evelyn Charles Academy is going to be about 10,000 square feet, and it's in a part of the shopping center that's kind of struggled to get tenants. It's phase one. It's where target used to be when i was a kid eaton's was in that space i think uh, it was uh, is that right yeah eaton's was there because sears was at the north end it was it was always there pretty much sears is of, co- of course is gone as well and hudson bay uh, is the other anchor to that phase one but uh, you know having that mix and that's one thing that you know i i talk about shopping centers quite a bit and i think having a diversity of tenants is important i mean whether or not it's a, a, you know some sort of hair academy or a fashion retailer or, you know, some sort, sort of food, food hall, entertainment. I mean, West Edmonton Mall seems to have it all. And, uh, you know, I, it's it's a really cool model, but not all landlords are going to be able to replicate it because, number one, it's expensive. And, number two, you can't really have a whole bunch of those in one city unless your city is absolutely gigantic. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, I, I thought it was interesting how it was all kind of coming together, all the different pieces. Um, like it's not only was it like, you know, the hair academies and stuff like that, because like if you're going to be going and getting, you know, some shopping done, getting your hair done kind of makes sense. Um, but I thought it was also interesting that Aurora was looking at opening up a cannabis store as well. Like those types of retail things, I, I'm interested to see how that's going to mix in with um, like some people may not see that as family orientated either. Mixing with like Galaxy Land, let's have some pot while we're going on a roller coaster kind of thing you know oh yeah and i think that west edmonton mall is trying to be all things to all people i mean i don't know if it's still there but i remember they actually did have like the love shop or whatever the name is i don't remember but it's you know sort of a adult oriented store that you could get toys and all that kind of stuff yeah exactly i was trying to think what the term would be but you know those types of stores you know either have been in the mall or still are and the only reason i don't know is because i remember they were down these corridors that weren't like the main corridors you would go down and whenever i'm in west Edmonton mall i do tend to kind of go down the main run and maybe i'll check out what's happening in phase one and and realize it's not nearly as much as down the main (laughs) run and i'll kind of go along my way but uh, no i do remember there were two of them at one time and like i said i'd have to actually go to the directory and see if they're still there but they're probably not unsuccessful no, yeah, well, and I'm excited to see, especially since the, you know, the hype for the cannabis market is is definitely lo- like pushing hard throughout Canada. So I'm interested to see how that unfolds for West End. I know there's some issues with zoning and all that kind of stuff that they need to hurdle through. But, you know, I was just looking at some of the construction photos that kind of reminds me of there's a lot of relocating and renovating retailers as well. And uh, it, it just looks like people are moving left, right, and center in there. Is that common for, like, a mall to actually ask the tenants to move around? Or is it in their best interest to accommodate the landlord or, or to move around like that as well? It's a little bit of both. I mean, it's not really that uncommon in a successful yeah. mall to see a bunch of tenants moving around. And I found that, you know, say in a successful shopping center, very or say a center like Yorkdale Shopping Center in Toronto, where they want to put luxury brands in certain areas, they'll go to a retailer and say, you know, we want to move you to a new location. They'll probably provide some sort of inducement to get them to move. Maybe they'll build them the new store. Maybe they'll charge them less rent. I don't know. But 
In the case yeah. of West Edmonton Mall, you know, they have moved tenants around a lot. I mean, there's one tenant, uh, I won't name who it is, but, you know, this person had a swimwear store. She's actually on a bit of a vendetta, apparently. But, um, you know, I think she was moved either seven or nine times uh, to facilitate other retailers. And, uh, um, you know, I, I know that she's complained that a lot of retailers in West Edmonton Mall have closed. But, you know, of course, they've all been replaced by other retailers. So, you know, is it, is it musical chairs? I mean, probably West Edmonton Mall has it more than other shopping centers, but I don't really see this as always a bad thing. But at the same time, you know, there are far fewer, say, you know, mom and pop or independent retailers uh, in a mall like West Edmonton Mall, uh, you know, than there were in the past. But at the same time, the big chains are the ones that can afford to pay the rent. And ultimately, you know, the landlord is trying to curate something, number one, that people are going to shop at or spend time in because it's not just about the shopping. But also they want to make money and you know it is a business in the end and um you know they're making the numbers work and uh you know as far as i'm aware you know they are very successful at doing this they're building you know they have a mall in minneapolis that's quite successful called the mall of america and october i think 25th if it's still on uh and they might have knocked it back a bit they're going to be opening american dream which is uh in new jersey outside of new york city and uh, i mean that could be really really disruptive to um shopping in manhattan i, I actually think that uh, you know there will be a slight decline in you know higher end retail sales in Manhattan. Oh, wow! Well, and that's very different and good for them too. So they kind of know what they're doing. Um, and mm-hmm. but like yeah, I know that one retailer you were saying was moving around like eight or nine times. But it does sound like there's a number of stores that have been closing in Westhead as well, like Williams and Sonoma. Um, but is there anything further for those um, that you wanted to delve into as well? I don't actually know what happened with Williams-Sonoma. I know Brown Shoes took the space, and they're like 7,500 square feet, so good for Brown Shoes, right? But maybe Williams-Sonoma wasn't doing that well. Um, I actually don't have uh, an answer to that. I don't know how well they were doing, but I do know that some other Williams-Sonoma stores and some other malls aren't really making the money that they want to be making. Like, they're not meeting their sales projections. So maybe it's a problem with Williams-Sonoma. I mean, maybe people aren't, you know, embracing what they're selling. I mean, I hate to say this, the last time I bought something at Williams-Sonoma would have been in 2005, and it was because I had a gift card from a guest who came and stayed with me and my, you know, then partner at the time, and uh, we, you know, bought a couple of kitchen things and some, like, I don't know, there was a spaghetti sauce or, you know, like a you know, tomato sauce. I forget what it was, 16 or $17, or it was a lot more money than I would normally pay. It was actually really good, though. But it, like, I mean, not to focus on Williams and Sonoma, but like Mural, I think is how it's pronounced, was mm-hmm. also um, closing. And uh, there's another Rosa boutique that was closing, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure if they're like completely packing it in or if it's just like relocating to non-West Ed locations. But I think Mural is done. I mean, it's Shoppers Drug Mart tried to launch it as sort of a high-end uh, beauty concept but at the same time shoppers drug mart was really beefing up its own beauty boutique concept you know that are often uh you know within a shoppers drug mart store uh they're starting to do a few little you know standalone ones they're usually near a shoppers drug mart but i just don't think that you know consumers embrace that morale concept and so mm. you know definitely the store count has dropped over time and uh, you know west edmonton mall i think was like the third one left and i think you know there's one at oakridge center in uh Vancouver and I think there's one at shops at Vancouver. Don Mills and I mean Oak Ridge Center is doing an overhaul so at some point the one there will I'm sure close and you know Don Mills uh, might be the only one left if it's uh, even going to stay open at all it doesn't really make sense to have you know like say one location for something like that for a company like Shoppers Drug Mart it's more of a distraction than you know a business uh, yeah. endeavor I, I would say 
Uh, yeah, it just seems like it pulls away from their brand identity um, and just confuses the consumer as opposed to actually helpful, especially if it's dwindling in numbers like that. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, back to the kind of experiential nature of West Ed that they had from the get-go, probably pioneering before a lot of the other malls. Um, they've kind of shifted their social media into kind of trying to play to the millennial edge. Um, but they also have these Instagram walls by Galaxy Land so that you can actually start taking some, you know, selfies and stuff like that to kind of, kind of you know, appeal to that um, genre as well. But it's, it's interesting to see how they are trying to be, like you're saying, something to everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all that whole, you know, experiment, experiential retail thing because... Most things now these nowadays you can buy most things online, right? But people yeah. still want to do something. I mean, in this age of Instagram, people want to be photographed in front of stuff. So if you can make something interesting that people are actually going to want to say take pictures of or be in those photos, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. So definitely West Edmonton Mall is not the only shopping center or anything for that matter doing that. I mean, funny enough, in downtown Vancouver, they're doing that with some of the laneways. They're now creating these cool. Uh, you know, multicolored uh, places that people are going and getting Instagram photos taken. There's actually one right by the Burke store in downtown Vancouver where oh. I think it's like a pink and purple kind of alleyway and they host... Oh, yes. What is it? It's these discos and it's, there's a sign that says something like more awesome now. Our friend Richie got his photo taken in front of that. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. I was kind of walking along all of a sudden there's this like completely pink back alley with its big like globe looking moon thing that's kind of suspended at the top there okay that suddenly makes sense now <laughs> it's great i mean that alley was a dump honestly i used to work nearby. no it totally was <laughs> i used to work yeah. there you definitely that's not a place you would walk down voluntarily regularly but no now it's people like, actually go out of the way yeah no it looks like someone like hosed it down with pepto-bismol it looks it's and it has all the different kind of there's all embellishments to it as well that you actually want to be taking a picture in front of so no that totally makes sense and also makes people want to go there <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they created a destination. I think it's incredible. And, you know, they've done that uh, in another alleyway behind Granville Street, uh, right by where I used to live uh, off of Robson and Granville. And um, I'm not sure if it's open yet, but they're doing a a mural related thing uh, right behind the luxury zone between Robson Street and uh, Alberni Street in the 1000 block in Vancouver. So again, you know, Vancouver is embracing its laneways and trying to create new places and i think other cities should definitely look at that as well if they have laneways i mean melbourne i think in australia pioneered that to a degree but vancouver's doing it in a really neat kitschy way and uh, i think people are liking it well and a lot of people despise those laneways just because you know, that takes away from your driving ability and you know, a lot of people especially with being vancouver being very you know environmentally conscious is trying to embrace that. So I think it was a brilliant idea to start, you know, incorporating them in some way that made people want to, you know, do stuff with it other than just despise it or the cyclists love it and everyone else just, you know. So this whole, you know, yeah, the way that they're trying to bring it in for photos and, and kind of interacting with it in a way that's positive is a brilliant idea. And you can, Good for Melbourne. You can bring retail into I mean, Melbourne has retail and restaurants in its laneways. And interestingly enough, in Vancouver, I don't remember the name of the laneway because it's an Aboriginal name that I've never really heard of, but um, Off-White, uh, you know, that uh, very expensive streetwear brand, actually opened a store in this laneway um, in behind Alberni Street. Uh, I mean, I, hopefully the store is doing well, but it's not on a street. It's in an alley, essentially. So... Um, yeah. it's interesting to see how cities will embrace their alleys in the future. I mean, I spend most of my time in Toronto and 
I don't know. Most streets in downtown Toronto don't actually have alleyways, so it's not something that we would see so much here. But in Western Canada, because cities were, you know, built on a proper grid and were, you know, anticipated vehicles being part of the urban fabric, they actually do have alleyways and they were designed for services. So, you know, behind houses, there's alleyways and whatnot. And this isn't something you see in a lot of the older cities, uh, more in Eastern Canada. Yeah. Well, and when you're talking about laneways, it's not like the bike laneways. You're talking about like the back alleys, right? So, Mm -hmm. because like when I saw Off-White, it's it's literally like the back alley. Then also because it's you know, marble facade and this amazing, beautiful store. So it's it's really different. And I think Blood Alley was one of the first places where I suddenly, the restaurant area in um, the Gastown area of um, Vancouver was the first time I ever saw like uh, going to a back alley for a reason. Um, Have you been to Salt, the restaurant? Oh, yes. That was was my first place I ever went to in Blood Alley. But I love it. Yeah. No, and it's still there, and it's still good, but um, but no, yeah. So it's kind of interesting how they're going down that path, mm. but uh, well, yeah. So, but that is veering way away from. <laughs> I think it's West, fascinating, though. I, I think it's mall. so neat. Yeah, we go. We went from West Edmonton <laughs> Mall to back alleys, but to back alleys, yeah, it's all experiential all right. retail, right? <laughs> you no, know, totally. But speaking of experiential retail, the other article that we wanted to touch upon was decathlon and how it had opened up um <clears throat> one of uh, uh i'm just kind of taking a look at it. it just opened up another store i'm trying to remember where it was do you want to kind of fill us in on that yeah what they've done so far is they started um, the canadian expansion in, Co- in the province of quebec so they did a yes. couple of stores in suburban montreal um i don't think the one in quebec city is open yet like and we're talking just in a matter of weeks in terms of there's quebec city they're going to move into ottawa um, the plans are actually to go across the country. So, I mean, if I was a sports retailer in Canada operating right now and wasn't Sporting Life, because Sporting Life is almost like a fashion retailer that focuses on sports. If you're a pure a pure sports retailer, like a Mac, I mean, Mountain Equipment Co-op is what some might call it, or a sport check or whatever, I'd be a little bit worried because, you know, Decathlon definitely has plans on blitzing the country with stores. And their prices are lower than most other sports retailers. Some call them the Ikea of sports retailers. And uh, they mm. build these big stores, and they're quite experiential. So you can go in, and you can ride a bike around if you want to try it out. And you can try hiking boots, and you can try climbing things. And, it, I mean, it, it looks like it's it's a fun experience. You're getting a good price. And uh, apparently it even has good customer service. I'm only saying these because I haven't actually been in one of the stores. My brother and his wife, and my, and his wife have been because they used to live in Europe. So they're... Uh, you know, quite familiar with decathlon, but uh, I don't know. I mean, how much room is there in Canada for all of these uh, sports stores? I mean, Canadian Tire must be a little freaked out right now because you know they they go yeah. after that sort of value priced uh, sports retail uh, market. You know, obviously that's not everything that they sell, but certainly that's an important component to their stores. No, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's really interesting to see this competition, but you also got to realize that. You know, at some point, someone's going to lose, and uh, it's probably not going to be decathlon. No, well, and when I take a look at the different, you know, sports goods stores, Canadian Tire, I, now that you mention it, yeah, okay, but, like, I don't necessarily, I think um, of Canadian Tire more of the, like, hunting sp- sport kind of thing, as opposed to let's go get a hockey stick from it. Mm. Um, but they do have, like, fishing and all that kind of stuff that that, that I would 
that's where my dad bought his one fishing rod that he threw into the pond as we were like going fishing that was my first memory of canadian tire but anyway <laughs> i digress <laughs> But other than Canadian Tire, like Sport Check is definitely on my list. If I was to think of, I need to go get a basketball or some like rollerblades or something like that. Sport Check is where I'd kind of like in my mind um, through my experience in the Canadian retail environment. That's where I would go. Um, Now, Mountain Equipment Co-op just seems to be a little bit more upper scale to me. Like they have a membership base and stuff that would you know kind of drive people there and when you take a look at north vancouver they do have um some experiential stuff in there but when i take a look at um the uh broussard location of decathlon they have like a virtual reality they like they have climbing walls that like you're absolutely right they pretty much built the store around trying out all of their goods um as opposed to just having a couple little spots where you could try things um where it, it's more like an afterthought in some of these other retailers that are in Canada. So it should be interesting because I would, I would probably go try on some hiking boots and then want to go try to like go around something other than just a flat floor. Um, same thing with a bicycle, same thing with if I'm wanting to try some mountain climbing or wall climbing gear, all that kind of stuff. It makes total sense that they do that. And if they're doing it in an uh, Ikea way, I have IKEA furniture in my house, so I'm not going to be sniffing down at that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that Mac with their flagship stores is trying to do some of the same as well. And I don't know if they're actually looking at the Decathlon yeah. model and saying we need to do it as well. But I toured the uh, downtown Toronto Mac store because, you know, I spend most of my time in Toronto. And it yeah. did have a lot of these experiential things. And I was thinking, you know, is this innovation or is this actually looking at what the competition is going to be doing when they True. come to this market? But Wal- Walmart should be quite worried because oh, they do have yes. sporting good departments <gasps> and they're cheap. Right. So. I totally uh, and, forgot. <laughs> Sorry, Walmart. I, d- I totally forgot about you. Yeah. Yeah. But and you know, I, yeah. I think the American competitor, since I'm in Vancouver, I'm so close to Seattle. REI is one of the places where I'd gone, which kind of gives me the feeling of Mountain Equipment Co-op, but they seem to have a little more experience like wall climbing and, and canoes and kayaks and all that kind of stuff too. But to your point, are they kind of doing it out of trying to react or are they doing it out of trying to give that experience um genuinely to the consumer it's probably both i mean i think retailers know they need to be experiential if they're going to get people into the stores and spending and people still if they want to buy sporting goods i mean a lot of people still want to try them out Um, i think rei is going to be in for a big surprise too though because decathlon did also start an american expansion and uh, I, yeah. I'm wondering if the Canadian one will be a little bit faster just from what I'm hearing. But for sure, I mean, you know, they've gone into decathlon, has gone into California. Um, you know, definitely, I mean, my expectation is they're going to blitz the United States like crazy with stores. I mean, they'll probably do a thousand stores. And, you know, retailers like REI and, you know, others really, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, again, it's easier to analyze this stuff and actually be the retailer. I think I'd be a little bit terrified if I was some of these uh, other companies right now. Well, especially from the value price, though. Like, I mean, how expensive of a pair of rollerblades or a hockey stick does the average Canadian really want to spend? You know, especially if you're going to be buying, like, skates for your kid, you're not necessarily wanting to go spend a high price point if the kid's just going to outgrow it anyway in a matter of one or two seasons or less, you know? So, you know, good um, good on Decathlon for coming in with that type of model. Um... 
uh, I think it's just a positive thing too. And they're making it accessible because when I played hockey, yeah. like a lot of my teammates were from, you know, wealthier families and it was just because they could afford it, right? So like my skates were, I think, five or $600 or something like that. And in the 80s, that was a lot of money. And, you know, they would mold your feet and, you know, with all these fancy things that they would do. And I had the blades moved around. And my, my parents spent thousands and thousands of dollars on me. And I went to a boarding school that was, you know, known for hockey and the same thing. I mean, we were all a bunch of rich kids, but... I remember once when, you know, I lived in a small town before I went to boarding school, one of the kids had to quit hockey because, you know, he had a single mom that lost her job. And, you know, that, that was really, really sad. And, you know, I think that a retailer like Decathlon or, you know, the sports areas of Walmarts and whatnot really do address that affordability that, you know, not everyone obviously is wealthy. And, you know, maybe, you know, this poor kid might be the next Wayne Gretzky. I don't know. I mean, it takes a lot of practice, but... Uh, it'd be great if people of all income levels could participate in in sports, you know, be it for the competitive uh, nature, the learning, and um, and who knows? I mean, someone may even be able to make a career out of yeah. it. And speaking of the uh, higher-end luxury brands that the rich can potentially purchase, um, one of the other articles that we had that was well-read was the luxury brand Balenciaga that was opening... Uh, or to open its first standalone store and Canadian's flagship. So I was just wondering if you wanted to kind of touch base on that, because it seems to be a major announcement. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I knew about this one for a while. Balenciaga, you know, List, uh, I'm going to spell that L-Y-S-T. They they think that they know what the coolest brands are, and they probably pull people, whatever. I mean, Balenciaga was rated number three, and... Um, you know, a lot of these brands have had a presence in Canada and it's very often been through retailers like say Holt Renfrew and you've been able to buy a few things from the brands. But now what I'm seeing as a trend is this direct to consumer trend. And what that means for those who, you know, don't listen to me talk incessantly or read over everything I write is that basically the <laughs> brands themselves are, they're not even using a wholesaler. Like, you know how, I don't know, you go into a Walmart store or maybe that's even the best example, a Sears or a Hudson Bay store. And there's these different brands and you can buy you know, your Kohan and you can buy your Kenneth Cole and whatever else, you know, these brands you can get in there, Tommy Hilfiger. Um, now what we're seeing with a lot of these brands is they're actually either opening their own stores or they're leasing space, say, in a department store. And they're actually operating them like little boutiques and using the department store and almost using it as like a shopping center. So in the case of Balenciaga, mm -hmm. you know, they actually technically kind of entered the Canadian market by going direct to consumer in very late 2018, they opened a uh, concession, is what we might call it. And I don't know if that's a British term. I do tend to use terminology from other parts of the world, but I think that would be the term we would use here. So, um, and Lee, thank you so much for taking the photos, by the way, because uh, you were running through you were running through the store Yay. for me and taking yeah. photos. And I'm like, thank you, you are helping me so much today. And um, so Balenciaga opened this thing called the World of Balenciaga, and what that means basically is instead of just having like a bunch of bags or just having menswear or just having shoes, they carry all the lines of the brand in one area. So basically, if you're a fan of the brand or you're going with um, I know a man or woman, whatever. Uh, are going in together they can all basically find this stuff from the one brand and it's really the brand showcasing it so you've got menswear women's wear you got shoes for both genders you've got bags and accessories and whatever else they might sell as well and this is one of the big trends we're seeing say in department stores mainly Holt Renfrew to be honest where you know they have enough space to actually showcase these brands so really you know Balenciaga kind of came in with that world of uh, 
boutique in uh, Vancouver, but yeah, Yorkdale now, and I mean, Yorkdale is, you know, it's ridiculous how many brands uh, open their first standalone stores in Canada at Yorkdale. There's no place like it, really. Yeah, I'm like not, Dyson, I'm... for example. Like, I was thinking, like, okay, you can go buy your Dyson from Best Buy, but it was interesting how, like, Dyson opened up its first um, location uh, in Yorkdale as well, wasn't it? You got it, yeah. It's a really neat space. I was just uh, right by there a couple of days ago. I might have to pop in tomorrow, funny enough. Not for Dyson, but because uh, I have to... <laughs> Get to Are you saying that your place is dirty? Nope, yeah, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I can't afford Dyson. Okay, <laughs> but I, but no, I um. But like it, it was looking like like Gucci, uh, Bottega Veneta, and Valentino. Like it just seems like a lot of those folks in um, Yorkdale Arcs opening up those standalone direct to consumer um, uh, stores, which. Uh, do you think like what's your thought on that like as a consumer would you rather kind of go around in a concession to concession and hold rent through to kind of get a little bit of everything or do you want to walk in is it more intimidating to kind of go into a Balenciaga store to kind of go and see like the brand and everything it is to do with it or you know do you think it would be more or less um successful that, i guess that's actually a really good question because you know it's almost like yorkdale's competing against the holt renfrew store in yorkdale i mean not just to single out holt renfrew in yorkdale but um there are some wealthy people out there and i mean they have so much money that basically it doesn't matter if they want yeah. to go and have that curated balenciaga experience you know they're very excited that the standalone store is going to be opening it's but opening some yeah. of the people at the same time though um the neat thing about say holt renfrew and you know holt renfrew is almost adopting the shopping center model it's something we see in other parts of the world this isn't the first and only place that's doing it if you go to japan or you go to london and say selfridges you go to galleries lafayette in paris i mean the brands are all op operating their stores in the department store so the department store is almost like a landlord they're collecting rent or collecting a percentage of sales or whatever the arrangement mm -hmm. is between the brands and the landlord. Mm -hmm. And you can go in and kind of get that experience. So say if you walk into a Nordstrom store, for the most part, I mean, they don't generally do many concessions. There's only like a few. And um, so the department store is buying that stuff and you're looking at the selection of what the department store thinks that you want. Whereas you go into, say, a Balenciaga concession. And so, for example, right by where I live in Toronto, Balenciaga just opened a world of Balenciaga in Holt Renfrew and Bloor Street. Mm, and yeah, okay. same thing. I mean, the Balenciaga, you know, is presenting their collection. And they may have an idea of what people would want or people yeah. may request something. And I think they'll be, they're a little more nimble. They're able to bring that product in that maybe a host department store might not be able to do so quickly. Yeah, like the buyers and stuff like that would have to go through that whole buying cycle in mm -hmm. order to kind of bring it in as opposed to like the actual standalone stores for like Valentina and Bottega and so on and so forth would be able to just bring it in like like a Burberry store or something like that. You want that jacket? We'll bring it in for you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, so Yorkdale is really neat because it's curating these kind of super brands. And I mean, some of them are doing well over $10 million a year in sales. I won't say the sales numbers, but they're well over $10 million. And they sort of, you know, cluster together. So the neat thing is if a person, you know, is looking to spend a lot of money and they want big brands, they can go to Yorkdale and say, well, I know I can get Tiffany Bulgari, you know, Valentino Bottega Veneta, you know, it's Saint Laurent, it's like a smorgasbord of, of brands. And, you know, if people aren't intimidated to walk into these spaces, and very often if people have a heck of a lot of money, they're not going to be intimidated. The stores also do carry yeah. cater to people who don't always have totally. money. Some people just aspire to have certain things and someone will say, shave, save up, sorry, to, you know, buy a Chanel bag or something like that. But, um, you know, at the same time, I, I kind of do like that department store model because you can kind of walk around the store and then you can kind of see 
those brand boutiques and you know they're often quite open concepts so it's not like you have to walk right into it and maybe it's more because number one I'm not buying it number two I'm just kind of scoping around and doing my research when I'm running through those stores but um, the neat thing oh, yeah. again about Holt Redfrew <laughs> and this isn't something we're seeing so much with Saxoth Avenue and Nordstrom which I would say are the main competitors in Canada is you know Holtz has taken these super brands and I was just thinking about this last night analyzing it when I should have been sleeping because it's when I do a lot of my thinking is late really late at night or in the morning more accurately <laughs> and you know what they've done is they've taken the best brands I mean Holt Renfrew has an incredible relationship with Chanel I mean almost every single Holt Renfrew store after Edmonton closes uh, will have a Chanel store and you know they've partnered with Gucci in a really really mm -hmm. big way and they've partnered with Dior in a really big way and Burberry and you know all of these brands so really they're have basically become landlords for these other brands and they're have these boutiques inside of it so Yorkdale is almost like a next level because Yorkdale is an actual pure shopping center so again you know Yorkdale is launching these brands yeah. but I guess that's you know the one thing just to bring a little controversy into it and I've talked about this before I mean I do a lot of talking so I can't remember if it was on this podcast it might have been but you know, often a, a store will introduce a brand to a market and people will get to know that brand. And then the brand has enough awareness that they'll say, well, you know, thank you. Uh, we're doing quite well in this market. We're going to open our own store. So they, you know, they actually may even pull distribution from, yeah. uh, you know, that host retailer that kind of introduced them to the market and they'll open that store themselves. And, you know, I'm not naming any names. I don't think this has even really been, say, an issue at Yorkdale or anything like that. And I think Holt Renfrew got smart because they, uh, you know, are actually embracing this in terms of saying, okay, brand, you can have your own space. But um, it is interesting that so many of these brands, I mean, Dyson opening a store, I mean, I think that's really a marketing play and an experiential play for them. But, you know, uh, I mean, KitKat, KitKat is opening a chocolate uh um, retail space this fall at Yorkdale, of course, and I mean West Edmonton Mall would make a lot of sense. Yeah, Get out of town. <laughs> I love Kit Kat. I could live on Kit Kat. You're telling me there's a store that's going to be opening up? Apparently, oh, you can uh, customize. Store, I'll have to check oh, it out. I hope I'm in Toronto when it opens, just because I'll be doing some traveling this fall. But somehow you can do some sort of customization. What are you gonna make oh. up a Kit Kat salad? I mean, you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, someone's gonna try it. <laughs> it could be me. Yeah, or me probably knowing how I. I just crush it up and pretend <laughs> put some mint sauce on it and pretend it's greens or something. But um, you know, it's these brands are actually you know going directly to Come the on. consumers. You can get matcha tea Kit Kats. That is what I love. So there's your salad. Don't knock it. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> And um, actually, I had a Kit Kat. They had this new one. Um, it's red, red. I think red, red velvet. Red velvet Kit Kat. I think it was like it's like a pinky. I don't know. It's a pink chocolate. I don't know. I, I wasn't like it tasted like white chocolate. I mean, I don't think I'd go and get it again. It was like a little <laughs> tiny chocolate bar. I got it at my local Longos. It was a dollar ninety nine, so it was more expensive than your regular chocolate bar. And it was like small. It wasn't like a big Kit Kat. It was a small one. I'm like, like I, I want to try something once all the time all the time and yeah, so yeah. i tried one i'm like okay i did it i probably won't get it again but you know it's like a pink kit kat bar basically you gotta try the matcha one it's amazing I sh and and they're in canada matcha. right because all this stuff started in japan yeah. like um mark well yeah, yeah. and I think like there's a Korean market across from where I work and that's where I've come, kind of found them in Canada but no, I was introduced to them when I was traveling through Seoul and, and Hong Kong. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean in Europe yeah. or certain Europe in Asia often you get these brands uh, doing that like Mark Ainley who we know as well. Uh, he's a great feng shuiist by the way. He knows a lot about flow and retail spaces. We'll have to have him on as a guest at some point because he's really fascinating. But anyways, he goes to Japan a lot because he does a lot of work there and 
he'd come and bring back like the craziest candy in some case brands that you know we have in canada but we don't have the you know the the different flavors of all these things that you know the japanese have really uh uh have absolutely i mean they embrace on. it and yeah. i think we're seeing that a lot more here now in canada but we're like 10 years behind in that respect i would say but we're, we're definitely catching up but you know as north americans we're not quite as open to change and innovation and you know and whatnot and, and but yeah. well you know we're coming around and but like i mean i'm just taking a look at like just even out in, in the news here uh, was there anything kind of piquing your interest in the last i don't know week or so of news around the web that we've published that you wanted to kind of highlight too to kind of wrap up with the podcast yeah there'd be a lot of ceos and presidents moving around and changing and leaving i don't know what's going on there i mean these are the things that i follow <laughs> so much but i mean you know the uh, the president of Toys R Us, you know Canada. That is, I should say, because you know there's different divisions now, is leaving after 20 years. I mean, uh, I don't what? know all the details around that, but uh, I wish her well. But holy cow, I mean, after 20 years, and you know she kind of spearheaded this new uh, rebranding of Toys R Us. They just announced they're going to be opening two more of these sort of smaller format innovation stores. I think the first one was actually in Guelph, or it was somewhere within that, you know, kind of Guelph, Cambridge, uh, Kitchener area around there. And I think she actually got started in Kitchener. But, you know, she's left. Uh, Walmart Canada just announced uh, a new CEO. And then um, today, I was talking, I won't say who, but I was telling someone they should apply for this job. The uh, um, Do I actually have it up here on my screen? I don't, sorry. But um, Reitman's groups, uh, the Reitman's has uh, two plus size women's retailers. One's called Additionnel and the other one is called Pennington's. And that uh, group president uh, just left. So anyways, it's I, I don't actually have all the information around why, but we've seen a lot of movement around these executives for these fairly major retailers in Canada. I mean, and Walmart's huge. And it's interesting with Walmart Canada, I mean, I've got some insider info. I know a few other uh, media sources are, are wanting <laughs> some of the sources I've spoken to as well as uh, just more about the scoop, but I, you know, I was told that Walmart Canada is actually quietly undergoing a uh, restructuring, and they're letting a few people go at a time, sort of higher up in their oh. corporate headquarters. But they were doing it sort of in a way that you know mainstream media wouldn't pick up on this restructuring. So I don't know everything that's happening, but I know I spoke to a former senior merchandiser who kind of was filling me in saying, by the way, there's a lot of stuff, you know, it's happening here, but no one really knows or is talking about it. So at some point there might be some story blown out. I don't but know. And actually I have, I have one more little uh, bit tidbit yeah. of information I want to share. And like, I don't want to blow the story up yet, but uh, you know, Miniso. Yeah. So Miniso. Yeah. 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 Supposedly a Japanese retailer coming into Canada, they want to do 500 stores. And uh, I mean, in reality, they're Chinese and they, you know, sell stuff that's, I don't know, three, four or five dollars. It's, you know, they're a little maybe higher priced than Dollarama and they got these cute stores. But um, I spoke to a, uh, a member of a major investor group and there's going to be a big lawsuit. Uh, there's a lot of angry people. There's been a lot of money lost. The, so the saga is not finished. I reported in December of 2018 that the uh, Chinese uh, parent company was looking to put the Canadian division into bankruptcy. They said there was fraud and now this investor group has come back and said that the Chinese division is no better and it's you could write a book about this. I mean, it sounds like it's a big drama. I have to put together all this information, and I think we're going to try to put a story out for next week. But uh, 
the Miniso saga continues, and they figure that really Minis. I mean, they want Miniso to pull out of Canada. Honestly, this investor group, which is maybe that's a little drastic, but they're saying they don't think Miniso is going to get anywhere close to 500 stores in Canada. It's just too dysfunctional, and right. and there's so many broken relationships and other things. So, stay tuned for that. I mean, and, and for listeners, <laughs> I mean, our podcasts here are pretty new, but you know, for listeners that are tuning in and have managed to you know stick around this long and listen we'll, we'll give little tidbits of interesting information that you know we've heard uh, throughout the week and maybe a little bit of gossip and you know some of the controversy that we're hearing and uh, you know I, I can't give it all away of course but um, there's a lot of stuff happening and you know these are exciting times in retail and these are scary times in retail and very often you know relationships are involved and feelings are involved and you know we're all human ultimately and it's it's really fascinating to uh to watch this because it's almost like you know it's like taking a psychology class sometimes except yeah. with you know real life examples with real life people and <laughs> and, and people working and all that kind of stuff so yeah. very exciting and i'm excited to be able to kind of shoot the breeze on like what's going on with their articles and just rumors and stuff that's going around in the news so we'll gossip a little bit here and there but we'll do it respectfully i don't want to hurt anybody yes. ever no we love you all so thanks for <laughs> listening everyone please remember to hit subscribe and also rate us five stars to try to get us out to all the different uh, podcast uh, distribution networks that you subscribe to so thanks again craig for chatting with me for the last hour or so and uh, and i'll let everyone get on to the next podcast you betcha take care everybody thank you for listening <laughs>